0: You're listening to the Cancer From A to Z podcast with Dr. Rosalind Morrell, Episode 15, Stamping Out Lung Cancer. Hi, and welcome to the Cancer From A to Z podcast, where we discuss the issues and topics related to a diagnosis of cancer. I'm your host, Dr. Rosalind Morrell. These podcast episodes are intended for informational and educational purposes only and are not a substitute for medical treatment by a healthcare professional. They do not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. Please consult your doctor or other health professional with any questions you have regarding any medical conditions. Hi, thank you so much for downloading today's episode. So we are going to talk about lung cancer today and lung cancer is kind of a big topic. And so I'm going to get into the incidence of lung cancer and some of the differences that we see in that area, as well as the causes, the symptoms, the screening, the different types of cancer, and of course, we're going to talk about treatment. So let's get right into it. In 2022, approximately 230,000 new lung cancers will be diagnosed. And it is the leading cause of cancer deaths in men worldwide. And there's some differences between different uh, ethnic groups. And we know that it's also the leading cause of cancer deaths in black men. The incidence and death rate, however, has decreased. So it's all it's not all bad news. Between 2009 and 2019, both the incidence and death rate decreased. And I think a lot of that has to do with just becoming a little bit more aware of the bad effects related to smoking. It is the second most common cancer in black men and women. And we know that black men are 12% more likely to develop lung cancer than white men. The differences in the incidence and death rate related to a lot of cancers between the ethnic groups has a lot to do with what we call cancer health disparities. And cancer health disparities can be the result of various factors, including socioeconomic barriers, limiting access to high quality and, and timely care. Um, some ethnic groups also have pre-existing health conditions a lot, and that can contribute. We do know that um, there can be also differences in tumor characteristics. There can also be um, financial toxicity, food deserts that occur in different neighborhoods, racism, racism chronic stress and low health literacy so some of those are again that a lot of that falls under cancer health disparities which is a very well known problem in the United States and across the world, where some ethnic groups are unfortunately disproportionately affected by uh, certain cancers. And we are actively working on trying to look into the research and figure out what the causes are. And again, a lot of those things are related to what I just mentioned, but there are some other things as well. So we're, as a community, in terms of oncology, we are actively looking at trying to see why certain groups are dying more from certain cancers. And again, lung cancer is a big one. So let's talk about what are the causes of lung cancer? Well, we know that 85 to about 90% of the cases are caused by smoking, and that's both voluntary and involuntary smoking. So when I say involuntary, I'm specifically talking about secondhand smoke. And we know from our research that 20 to there's a 20 to 30% increased risk of lung cancer when you live with a smoker. So you may not smoke yourself, but if you live with a smoker and you are breathing in that secondhand smoke, you are at increased risk of getting lung cancer. So we know that it's really, really important for people to stop smoking, but it can be hard. And I understand that. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But We know that um, smoking the, the amount of cigarettes that you have smoked over the years and the length of time is also important. So, for instance, we talk about pack year history. And what that involves is essentially the number of cigarettes smoked per day and the length of time you have smoked. So if you have smoked one pack per day for 20 years, then you have a 20-pack year history. If you have smoked two packs per day, and let's say you only smoked for 10 years, then it's two times 10. So you still have a 20-pack year history. And we know that that is a very important aspect of getting lung cancer, But it's not all smoking. So, what are some of the other causes of lung cancer? Well, that can include radon gas exposure, which can, you know, people can be exposed to inside their homes and inside certain buildings. We also know that asbestos can cause cancer, and it is definitely linked to one of the cancers that we uh, call mesothelioma, silica exposure, arsenic, diesel fumes. But there can be health-related things that can also cause cancer, such as chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. And that is sometimes called COPD for short. And we also know that that can contribute to lung cancer. Now, a lot of people have been diagnosed with COPD, and a lot of times they are diagnosed with COPD after they they have smoked for many, many years. And we th- believe that what's causing that connection between COPD and the subsequent diagnosis of lung cancer has a lot to do with oxidative stress. So, what we call oxidative stress. But what is COPD? So, essentially, it consists of emphysema and chronic bronchitis. And we know that pro- chronic bronchitis is essentially inflammation of the lining of the bronchial tubes. Emphysema, on the other hand, is destruction of the alveoli, which are those air sacs at the end of the small air passages. And those two things together are what we call COPD. And the symptoms related to COPD include cough, wheezing, shortness of breath, and sometimes frequent respiratory infections, but the main causes of COPD, again, tobacco smoking. But we do know that people who are or have been exposed to burn fuel for cooking and heating, and maybe their homes um, are not ventilated properly, those uh, those individuals can also be diagnosed with COPD. And then. W- Of course, genetics plays a role as well as secondhand smoke. So, going back to, well, how does COPD, if you have COPD, how does it relate to lung cancer? And I mentioned before about oxidative stress. And we know that there's like two types of stress there's the exogenous and there's the endogenous. And that exogenous oxidative stress is essentially smoking. And, but there can be essentially inflammatory chemicals that are released um, that can contribute to this. And there are other things in terms of other activities within the lung that can also contribute to this. So we do know that COPD certainly can be an independent risk factor for certain types of lung cancer, and that happens to be squamous cell carcinoma. So what you can get from this oxidative stress essentially are free radicals that then go and cause damage to the DNA. Going back to the other causes of of lung cancer, if you have a family history, that can contribute as well. And if you have a personal history of cancer, we know that that can also put you at risk for lung cancer. So smoking is a major culprit of lung cancer, but let's not forget that smoking can also contribute to other types of cancer including esophageal cancer, oral cavity cancer, bladder cancer and we know that with smoking. So what basically what is it about smoking that is causing all of these problems? Well, we know that in smoke, cigarette smoke, there are approximately f- between 5,000 and 7,000 different compounds In cigarette smoke. And we have identified that there are about 70 known compounds that are related to cancer. And what happens is that one of the main culprits is what we call nitrosamines. And that basically, those nitrosamines are formed because there are nitrates that are in the tobacco leaves. And the nitrates that are found in the tobacco leaves, when those leaves are processed, you know, during the process that they that they use to create cigarettes, you get a byproduct called nitrosamines. Now, nitrosamines can also occur from a byproduct of processed foods. And we know that that is also a source of that. So it's not the nicotine that is causing the DNA damage and leading to the cancer. It is all of these other chemicals. So quitting smoking is really important, and. I would say if anyone is struggling to quit smoking, definitely speak with your physician because your doctor can help you get you into a a program or they can help you directly themselves in terms of counseling and medications, because there are definitely things available to help you quit smoking. And some people are lucky and they can go quit cold turkey But others, it can be very, very difficult. And that is because of the nicotine. The nicotine is highly addictive. And it just requires for a lot of people counseling as well as the um, medications and some of the other things that are available. So again, if you are struggling um, to quit smoking, this is not something that we take lightly. It's very much understood that this is, it can be very difficult to quit smoking. I mean, it's like sugar, right? We, we, a lot of, some people love sugar and they're kind of addicted to sugar and it can be difficult to cut back. It can be difficult to quit sugar altogether. So I don't definitely, I don't want to make light of, you know, how easy it may be to quit smoking because I don't think that it is, but definitely check in with your physician. If you are thinking about, you know, wanting to quit smoking so that you can get the proper help um, so that you are successful in doing that. Okay, let's talk about now screening for lung cancer. Now screening for lung cancer, I think we don't talk about it enough. And uh, it certainly is a type of screening test that not a lot of people take advantage of. But we're going to talk about it, and it is called low-dose CT. That is how we screen for lung cancer. So CT stands for computed tomography. And so this is low-dose computed tomography. In one of the first episodes that I did, I interviewed a radiologist, and we went all through about the different types of imaging that we can undergo, and CT scans, so computed tomography, uh, the short version of that is called CT. So CT scans are used all the time in the healthcare arena. And so this for lung cancer screening, what we use basically is what we call low dose uh, computed tomography, meaning that you're getting a lower dose of the uh, radiation that you can sometimes get from these CT scans. Well, I shouldn't say sometimes you you definitely get some radiation every time you do a CT scan, but the dose is a little bit lower. And the beauty of these CT scans is that it gives us, you know, images of the lungs. And what we're looking for are nodules. And we the radiologist is paying attention to the appearance of the nodules, also paying attention to the size. And when they're looking at these nodules, they're wanting to evaluate whether the nodules are solid or partially solid or non-solid. And again, the size, sometimes you can see nodules that are super small. We're talking like four millimeters, five millimeters. And so there are definitely size cutoffs that they pay attention to in terms of whether you know, additional tests are needed. But going back to the um, screening, we do know that when people do go through the screening programs, there have been some reports from some facilities that, with their screening programs, about sixty-five to eighty-five percent of the of the detected lung cancers were very, very early stage. We're talking like stage one. So. It is it, an important test and we know that it's covered by Medicare and many of the private insurances, not all of them, but many of the private insurances will cover the uh, screening for lung cancer. However, in order to be screened for lung cancer, you have to fit into a certain criteria and what we call the high risk criteria, meaning you are at high risk for developing lung cancer. Now, different groups have come out with their recommendations, but the one that I'm going to talk about is the United States Preventive Services Task Force recommendations. And that is a very popular one. So if you fall into the high risk category, essentially what that means is that you are between 50 and 80 years of age, and you're in good health, and you currently smoke, or you have quit in the last 15 years, and you have a greater than or equal to a 20-pack year history. If you meet those criteria, you fall into the high-risk category, and it would be good to undergo lung cancer screening. Now, if you don't meet those criteria, then you wouldn't necessarily need to be screened for uh, lung cancer. So let me go over those again high risk, between 50 and 80 years of age in good health. So that means if you have been symptomatic with weight loss, and maybe you've been coughing up blood and have a persistent cough and some significant shortness of breath, that's not what I'm talking about in terms of being in good health. That that means you're symptomatic, and you need to be evaluated with a different type of imaging. But if you again, between 50 and 80 years of age and in good health, and you currently smoke, or you have quit within the last 15 years, and you have a greater than or equal to a 20-pack year history of smoking, then you fall into that criteria, and you should be screened for lung cancer. Okay, now let's go back to talking about, well, what are the symptoms of lung cancer? How would I know if I have it? Some of the common symptoms of lung cancer include a persistent cough, shortness of breath, wheezing, weight loss, multiple respiratory infections, and coughing up blood. Those are the most common. Now, there could be a few more, but those are the most common things. Now, it doesn't mean if you have those symptoms right now that you absolutely have lung cancer. That's not what I'm saying. But if you do have those symptoms, you need to get in to see your physician and get checked out. And we will, a lot of times we use chest x-rays, cat scans, pet scans, to help us diagnose when someone may have a mass in their lungs. But other types of ways that we go about in terms of trying to diagnose the cancer is basically getting tissue and having that tissue analyzed by a uh, pathologist in a pathology lab to see if there is uh, cancer in that specimen. Now, getting tissue from the lung can be obtained in many different ways. Sometimes we will do a biopsy, but sometimes for early stage cancers, a biopsy isn't always done. Sometimes the patients are taken right to surgery. And that, again, is going to depend upon what the physician who is evaluating you, what they see, what they find, and what is going to be the safest for you. But core biopsies can be done, fine needle aspirations. We have different techniques about in terms of procedures that we use to um, evaluate the lungs and any masses, and that includes bronchoscopy, do staging of the mediastinum to take a look at the, um, evaluate the lymph nodes and see if any of those lymph nodes in the chest are involved because we, we have lymph nodes throughout in our entire body and they drain different organs. And so the lymph nodes in the what we call the mediastinum, the middle of the chest, Will drain the lungs, and we want to um, also evaluate those as well. Sputum cytology is another one where you're, um, whether you basically submit sputum or what you've coughed up in term of in terms of mucus, and that gets submitted and, and evaluated. There's a type of procedure what we call VATS for short, which is, stands for video assisted thoracic surgery, and again, going back to CT scans and PET scans. So. All of these are used to help diagnose lung cancer and whether you need, uh, again, a biopsy before going for surgery or whether you just need to go straight to surgery or any of the other procedures that I just mentioned to you, your physician is going to know what's best and um, that would be a a thoracic surgeon or a pulmonologist. So um, there are definitely lots of physicians involved in working up a a person in regards to lung cancer. All right, let's transition into the types of lung cancer. Now, there's two main types of lung cancer. One is non-small cell lung cancer, and the second one is small cell lung cancer. And I'm not going to get into a lot of details about these, but 80% of all lung cancers are going to be categorized as non-small cell lung cancer. And We know that um, there are different types of cancer that fall under under this category, such as adenocarcinoma, large cell carcinoma, squamous cell carcinoma, adenosquamous carcinoma, and carcinoid. So there are a few others, but those are going to be the common ones that will be diagnosed. The one that's commonly diagnosed in non-smokers is adenocarcinoma. And again, about 80% of all lung cancers will be a non small cell lung cancer. Now, approximately 20% of the remainder of the cancers are classified as small cell lung cancer. And we do know that with small cell, nearly all of those cancers are a result of smoking. So that's all I'm going to say about the different types of lung cancer, because what I want to do now is I want to talk a little bit about lung cancer treatment and some of the things that are new and, and exciting when it comes to treating lung cancer So we know that there are a number of things that are part of lung cancer treatment. That includes surgery, chemotherapy, radiation therapy, image-guided thermal ablation, targeted therapy, and immunotherapy. And those last two are the really exciting new things that are being used to treat lung cancer. But let's take a step back and um, go And talk about, and let's talk about surgery. Again, if you are diagnosed with or you have a lung mass, you're going to see a thoracic surgeon. Um, They're going to be part of your team and they're going to make the determination in terms of what's going to be the best way to obtain tissue, especially if there's a question of whether you should have a biopsy done before surgery or whether you should just be taken for surgery. And the types of surgery that are done include wedge resections lobectomies, sleeve lobectomies, pneumonectomies, and those are all medical terms for the different types of lung cancer surgery. So on the right side of your body and in the right lung, you have three different lobes. You have the upper lobe, the middle lobe, and the lower lobe. And on the left side, you just have two lobes. The lobes are Part of the lungs, and again, if you are found to have uh, a cancer involving the lung, you're going to things that are being looked at and evaluated are where is it located. Are there lymph nodes involved that look suspicious as well, or they're they're positive um, for cancer? They're also going to be paying attention to the size and whether, you know, how much of a resection, how much lung tissue needs to be removed. And that's what the thoracic surgeon is involved in determining. So really important to have a surgeon on board for lung cancer. Chemotherapy and medical oncology, um, they are a very important part of lung cancer treatment. Medical oncologists treat cancer with chemotherapy and when a patient either uh, can't undergo surgery or sometimes if the cancer is found to be advanced, we're going to include chemotherapy in the treatment, which a lot of times will be combined with radiation therapy. A medical oncologist it being part of your team is also going to be important as well as a radiation oncologist, which as you know, that's what I do. And in terms of the types of chemotherapy, there are different types of chemotherapy that are used. There's a, a lot of them. And whether you get, you know, what type Types of drugs you get, and that depends upon your um, stage and your overall picture. And again, a lot of times we will combine chemotherapy with radiation therapy. So the differences between the two In essence, is that chemotherapy essentially are drugs that are given to you that will get into your blood system, that will get into your lymphatic system, and they will travel from head to toe, essentially killing cancer cells. Whereas radiation therapy... Is a focused local treatment. So wherever the beam is aimed, that's where the radiation is going to go. But the two work really well together in the treatment of lung cancer. And we will a lot of times combine the two. So with the advanced stages, those patients, so we're talking like stage three a lot of times those patients are unable to have surgery and we will treat those individuals with chemotherapy and radiation therapy. When it comes to some additional details about radiation therapy, a lot of times what we're doing is what we call external beam radiation therapy. And if you're a listener of this podcast, you've heard me talk about external beam radiation therapy in previous episodes. But What it is essentially is that you're being treated on a linear accelerator, which is a very large machine, um, and the radiation is coming out of the machine and and it's going into the body where it's being directed. And one of the new and uh, relatively new um, and exciting treatments for lung cancer when it comes to radiation therapy is what we call stereotactic body radiotherapy, or SBRT for short. Sometimes you'll also see it called -S 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 S. ABR, which stands for stereotactic ablative radiotherapy. And what's exciting about this area and this form of treatment is that essentially what we're doing is that we're delivering very high doses of radiation therapy in a short period of time. Now, when we do chemotherapy and radiation therapy together, the standard way essentially is you're delivering the radiation over, you know, a five-day Five days per week, so Monday through Friday, no treatment usually on the weekends. But you're doing it over multiple weeks. So we're talking six, six and a half, maybe seven weeks of of treatment. And so we have to break up the those doses into that period of time um, to allow the body to recover from the radiation therapy. But SBRT or SABR is where we're actually delivering the radiation in five treatments or less so it is ultra high doses of radiation, but it's very, very focused treatment on on just the the uh, cancer, on just the lung, or excuse me, the lung mass. And uh, again, Very, very focused, tight treatment uh, margins where we deliver high doses of radiation in five treatments or less. And what's exciting about that is that we are doing this in, there are a lot of people who have stage one lung cancer and for various health reasons or comorbidities, they're not able to undergo surgery and so in the past those patients you know that was unfortunate for those patients but now we have this type of radiation therapy and it is actually showing that patients are are doing great with this i mean we're getting what we call you know essentially we're controlling the cancer we got we have good tumor control and patients are surviving longer so it's been fantastic for those who are are what we call medically inoperable. They can't undergo surgery for these stage one lung cancers. So we still know that if you are able to undergo surgery, that's the best way to go. You know, if you're able to have a lobectomy, that's for stage one uh, lung cancer, that's really the best. But for those who can't, there are options. And so if you know someone or you yourself have been diagnosed with lung cancer, please speak to your physicians, your, on- your medical oncologists. Your surgeons and make sure you see a radiation uh, oncologist to to talk about uh, this type of treatment. All right, I'm going to uh, talk about targeted therapy and immunotherapy because I'm going to, I'm I'm just really excited about the fact that medicine is it's always evolving, always. And it's evolving because of clinical trials that are performed and pretty much everything that we do is all evidence-based, which is really important. And so we are now getting to the point where we are personalizing medicine. It is no longer about one size fits all. And that is becoming very true for lung cancer and certainly true for a lot of the other cancers. For example, breast cancer, we have tests available to us um, that help us determine you know, who's going to benefit from chemotherapy or who may not even benefit from chemotherapy. And we're making recommendations based on these tests. Well, when it comes to lung cancer, same thing. We do know that there are certain mutations that some of these cancers have and that having those mutations or not having those mutations can actually tell us a lot of information regarding the prognosis and and whether patients are going to respond to certain treatments and so we are now developing or have developed drugs that are labeled what we call targeted therapy and immunotherapy and in very simplistic terms what that means is essentially drugs that are labeled as immunotherapy those are medications that are what they do is that they basically rev up the immune system and allow the immune system to to recognize these abnormal cells and actually go after them and and allow the immune system to really fight off the cancer. Targeted therapy essentially is we know that there are certain pathways that exist that will promote cancer. So we know that certain genes get turned on, turned off, and those pathways that involve a lot of steps essentially will ultimately lead to cancer. Well, if you can intercept or actually stop that process from happening, where those cells are now changing changing and changing into a, a cancerous lesion. If you can stop that process, then that's fantastic. That's exactly what we want to do. So targeted therapy is essentially where, you know, these drugs are being utilized in that way. And so this is very exciting. We're seeing some fantastic results in regards to this and so this is all related to what we call molecular Testing, so we're able to actually test for these uh, molecular changes, these genetic mutations, and we have developed drugs that will target these these specific cells that are involved in terms of those uh, mutations. So, I'm really excited about this, and you know, we are we're doing fabulous work when it comes to lung cancer. All right. Well, one of the things that I wanted to just bring up briefly before we wrap up this episode, I wanted to talk about clinical trials just for a little bit. As I mentioned to you before, clinical trials research, very important part of oncology and the clinical trials, there are different phases of clinical trials. There's phase one, phase two, phase three, and phase four. And a lot of times you'll hear about phase three uh, randomized trials when you sometimes will read in the um, in the news and things like that, and that's usually where we're taking a standard therapy, and then we're testing a, a new treatment against the the standard. And the reason why I wanted to mention this briefly is because if you or anyone else close to you, if they've been diagnosed with cancer, please inquire with your oncologist, whether that be a radiation oncologist or a medical oncologist or a surgical oncologist regarding clinical trials. They're really important. It's extremely important to test these newer drugs to see if they are working. And we know that, you know, with some of the recent advances, it it was a result of clinical trials. But What's uh, unfortunate is that not everyone takes advantage of clinical trials. And we know that there are certain groups that are have low enrollment in clinical trials. So a lot of minority populations have low enrollment in clinical trials for various reasons. And that's unfortunate because, again, going back to what I mentioned earlier in the episode, there can be some certain ethnic groups are disproportionately affected by these cancers. So really important that we understand what's going on. And uh, clinical trials helps us do that so So if, again, you have been diagnosed with cancer, with lung cancer, or any other type of cancer for that matter, and, you know, if you're speaking with your oncologist, please ask them if there are any clinical trials available and see if you are, see if you are eligible. Okay. Well, that is a, that is essentially lung cancer in approximately 35 minutes. There are so many things to talk about when it comes to lung cancer. And I wanted to touch upon all of these different aspects. But of course, I could take just one of them in terms of like the treatment or, you know, the diagnosis and we could we could talk about it for hours. But that's not the purpose of this uh, podcast. And it's not the purpose of this episode. I wanted to essentially just give you uh, an overall view of lung cancer, give you some information that maybe you didn't know about. And for instance, with the um, screening for lung cancer and uh, also maybe with some of the treatment like the targeted therapy and the immunotherapy. And so if you did get a benefit from any of this information, please pass it on to um, any loved ones or friends that you may know who you also think may benefit from this information. And if you'd like to find out more details about lung cancer, as I always say, you know, there are definitely really good websites to check out. Certainly check out the American Cancer. Society, As well as the National Cancer Institute. And uh, we'll put those resources in the, my team will put those resources in the show notes. You can also check out my website. I think I mentioned on the lapis- last episode that my website was being redone and it is now finished. Yay. So check out centerpointoncology.com. That's C-E-N-T-E-R-P-O-I-N-T-O-N-C-O-L-O-G-Y.com for more information information. All right. Thank you so much. Um, Please leave me a review wherever you are listening to podcasts. I so appreciate it. And uh, pass on this uh, episode or any other episode that you have listened to. And as I always say, until next time, be well. Thank you for listening to the Cancer from A to Z podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you subscribed and left a review. And if you know anyone who could benefit from this information, please share the podcast with them. Until next time, I am your host, Dr. Rosalind Morrell.